Mindfulness Mode 341. Medical doctors will scare the hell out of you with the C word. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Lankford, founder and creator of Mindfulness Mode, the podcast. Great to have you with us. And if you're new and you haven't been here before, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe. It always helps us immensely. Yesterday, I was walking along the Thames River, just getting a little nature and some great air and some exercise. And the waves inspired me as they often do. And I thought, I just want to record this. And I recorded the waves and and also all the birds singing along the river. Didn't even realize how many birds were singing until I got back and listened to that recording. And then I thought, I want to record a guided meditation for you. And I did. I recorded a 20-minute guided meditation called Waves of Content. And I wrote this, let the waves bring you calm, become more relaxed, peaceful, and content. And through downloading this guided meditation, you can calm your mind and relax your body. And if you would like this free meditation just for listeners of Mindfulness Mode, it's all yours by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash waves of content. And I'll ask you to please enter your email address and your name, and I will send that out to you. Thank you so much for being a listener of Mindfulness Mode and for subscribing. I truly appreciate it. Last time I talked with Odette Peak Laurie. She's had a TED Talk. She's done a lot of speaking, presenting, and writing, and she's a fascinating lady. I think you'll enjoy the episode if you want to go back and check it out. It's episode 340. You can always go to mindfulnessmode.com slash and then whatever episode number it is, like 340. It'll come right up on your computer or on your phone or your device. Well, today I'm, I'm with a man that I admire immensely, Dr. Ivan Meisner. He created BNI, Business Network International, a fantastic organization that has chapters all over the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are constantly learning how to be better networkers, how to reach out to each other and connect in better ways, all because of Dr. Ivan Meisner. And today I get to share my interview with you. So I'm sure you'll enjoy it. He talks about not only networking, but health and his health journey and how mindfulness played a role in all of this. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Dr. Ivan Meisner. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm excited. I have Dr. Ivan Meisner on with me today. Hey, Dr. Meisner, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, and uh, thanks for having me on your podcast, and please call me Ivan. Okay, Ivan. It's great to have you with us. I know quite a bit about you, and of course, I've interviewed your wife as well, so I learned a little bit bit about you through that. Uh, Dr. Meisner, I just want to ask before we start, what's your point of view on mindfulness? What does mindfulness mean to you? Well, it's it's really, uh, for me, it's about being fully present um, and, and aware, uh, there's a, 
I talk a, a lot with people about balance because I, I run a global company. I have a family. And so people ask me about balance and, and I tell them, um, forget about balance. It's not possible, uh, but that you can't have harmony. And one of the first steps to creating a life of harmony is three simple words, be here now, wherever you are, be there, be present. And so for me, uh, mindfulness is about really being present. Yeah, be here now, three great words, and they're all about mindfulness. They're all about where we need to be living and moving toward, that's for sure. For me, I, I see a lot of business people in particular that, you know, they're, they're at work beating themselves up for not spending enough time with the family last night. And they're at home thinking about the projects that have to be done. Yeah. And so they're never present. And nobody's perfect at this, but it was one of the things that I really strived to do, particularly as my children were young, um, was to, to be here now, wherever I was to be there. Be here so. now three powerful words. I want to share a little bit about you with our listeners, Ivan. And here's what I've got. Dr. Ivan Meisner is the founder and chief visionary officer for BNI, which stands for Business Network International. It's the world's largest business networking organization. And in fact, Dr. Meisner has been called the father of modern networking by CNN. And he's one of the top networking experts to watch, according to Forbes. He's also a New York Times bestselling author who has written 22 books. He's been named Human Humanitarian of the Year by the Red Cross and was recently the recipient of the John C. Maxwell Leadership Award. So you've achieved wonderful things in your life, and I love how you started talking about mindfulness, but how did you, how did you get into this whole area of networking? Well, look, I'd like to tell you I had this vision of an international organization <laughs> with, you know, 8,537 groups in 73 countries as of yesterday morning. Wow. Uh, but the truth is I was looking for referrals for my consulting practice, and I put together people I trusted. They, I hoped that they trusted me enough to refer me. And we started passing business to each other. Um, uh, people came who couldn't join, and they asked if I would help, in, uh, help open up their groups. And at first, I actually said, no, this isn't what I do. I'm a, I'm a business consultant. I don't run a network. But eventually, I was like, I just gave in, yeah. and we started opening up groups. And at the end of the year, we had 20 chapters uh, of BNI without really trying hard. And it was at that point that I sat down and created a plan for the vision and the future uh, of the organization. And so I kind of stumbled into it and I realized at the end of the year that we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. We don't teach networking, word of mouth, referral marketing. And so um, what we try to do in BNI is teach people how to network and give them the platform to do it uh, in. Yes, absolutely. And how does mindfulness play a role when you are connecting with people and you are networking and you, you do want to build your business, but you know you have to be a little careful about how you do it? Yeah, well, look, uh, mindfulness, I think, fits into networking well. There's a part of the brain called the reticular activating system. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Have you heard anyone talk about yes, that? Yes, I okay, have. So, the reticular activating system is a part of the brain that screens out everything you don't need to know. Um, and so uh, it, and anybody that's been to an airport can recognize this immediately because 
you're sitting in an airport and your flight number is called or your name is called and there's people screaming, babies screaming, people talking, all this noise. And all of a sudden you hear your name and you go, wait, they just called my name. And how did you hear that? Well, that's part of your reticular activating system. You're telling yourself to listen for your flight number, even if you don't consciously do it, unconsciously you're saying, listen to my name, listen for my flight number. I think that's what mindfulness is to some extent, is that it's opening up your reticular activating system so that you can in fact hear things. Let me tell you one other quick story about reticular activating system. I used to be able to sleep through anything. I mean anything. Once there was an automobile accident in front of my house, big accident, sirens, people, police, I didn't hear it, didn't know about it until I opened up my door and there was police tape across my uh, front walkway. Wow. I'm like, wow, what happened last night? <laughs> and and the, my neighbor said, well, he travels all the time, so he's probably not home. I was home. I'm, people down the block heard it. I didn't hear it. <laughs> so then about a year or two later, my firstborn child was, was coming into the world. Yeah. And I was like, what am I going to do? I sleep through anything. What if she cries? And I'm telling you, uh, Bruce, the first night, first night, two o'clock in the morning, a whimper, <laughs> not even a wail. It was a whimper. And I'm like, oh, hey, honey, wake up. The baby's crying. <laughs> forget, forget about the bad husband thing. What, what was amazing to me was I went to bed concerned about not being aware. And my reticular activating system kicked in. And, and let through the information I wanted. So when it comes to networking, I think you have to consciously be aware of, the, of other people's needs so that your reticular activating system opens up and so you can be, in fact, mindful of other people. Be aware of other people's needs, absolutely, and be be very aware of their needs and focused on them when you're talking to them. I totally agree with you. Now, you became, you reached the point where you had to become very aware of your own needs because you had a health issue, you had a crisis. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you dealt with it? Well, I was diagnosed six years ago with prostate cancer, and um, and I, I was a fairly young man um, to, to get that diagnosis. I was 55 years old. And I, 55, 56, right in there. Yeah. Um, I um, got this diagnosis and uh, was really surprised by it. And, and so I went to a, you know, a urologist who gave me the diagnosis, mm-hmm. and he said, look, you have six months to get some kind of surgery, otherwise it's it's going to spread. And so that's it, that's six months. So figure out what kind of surgery you wanna do. So I, I said, okay, and I started to do researching, but my wife was very much into holistic medicine. And so she we happened to just, that weekend happened to be down in San Diego where the where I, I lived in LA at the time. And, um, and we dropped by a doctor that she had seen for years at the um, uh, Center for Advanced Medicine. And he said, look, you can treat this holistically. And I'm like, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> I was a total Western medicine okay, guy. You didn't buy it. Not for a second. <laughs> Not for a second. But he, he said, look, you can beat this. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, this is too woo-woo for me, but I'll be healthier. So no matter what, when I pick the kind of surgery or radiation or chemotherapy I want to do, I'm going to be in a healthier place if I do this protocol. Sure. 
And so I, I immediately lost 40, 45 pounds wow. in three months. In three months. And three months. And I mean, it just came off because I completely changed my diet to a holistic, no processed foods, no sugar. Um, and my wife really got creative about making amazing meals. And um, so I lost a lot of weight. Well, all of a sudden, my cancer markers started to change. Uh-huh. You know, they were looking better and better and better. And when I went in after six months to the doctor and he was looking at my, my um, MRIs and scans, sonograms, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I told him what I'm doing. And he's like, yeah, no, what else are you doing? What are you taking? I'm like, I'm not taking anything. And so anything other than vegetables, yeah. you know? And, and so he said, well, okay, you got another 30 days. Come back in 30 days and let me see how it is. I, I went back every 30 days for three, four months. And by December, he said, and every time I went back, he said, tell me again, what are you doing? <laughs> and I told him the same thing. And he kept saying, it can't be that. It's got to be something else. And by December, he said, yeah, well, you're in remission. I don't need to see you for nine months. So come back. It has now been over six years. And I still have not done radiation, chemotherapy, or surgery. I completely did it uh, holistically. And, you know, we just took somebody who was a total non-believer and the results speak for themselves. Um, I have a website, the website, everything on there is free. Uh, it's called MeisnerPlan.com. We do have a book on Amazon, which there is a, a cost of the book and there's a link there. But my wife and I donate 100% of our royalties to nutritional medical research on that book. Um, because I just, I made a decision. I don't want to, I don't want to financially benefit from a cancer diagnosis. So we're giving away all of our information and we're giving away our royalties on the book to uh, cancer research. Well, that's the, the, book is called, the book is called Healing Begins in the Kitchen. Healing Begins in the Kitchen. And you can get it, you can see it on meisnerplan.com and everything's free on that website. Yeah, when I interviewed your wife, Beth, she said, she said, yeah, my husband would not eat anything with one bit of sugar in it, if he knows it has sugar in it. So, so let's start there. We're, we're moving back. We're going to this point where you decided to stop sugar completely. What was that for? What was that like for you? And how long did it take to make that transition where it was fairly comfortable to live that way? Well, it, you know, there's two pieces to that. How long did it take to do it? And how long did it take to be comfortable about it? I right. did immediately. Yeah. It was overnight. Uh, and one of the things I gave up no sugar in it was a diet coke i drank massive amounts massive amounts of diet coke i just went cold turkey on on diet coke uh, i haven't had it in six years um you know, look there were certain things that i, I mostly didn't miss it because I, I wanted my prostate more <laughs> more than i wanted sugar yeah so because you know i don't know if you know you you look too young to know but um prostate has some prostate cancer surgery Radiation has some really serious side effects for men. I mean, bad, bad yes. side effects. So I didn't want to go that route. And it was never really a big problem for me. I should point out that there are three phases to the program, the Meisner plan, and what we learned in doing this. Phase one is no sugar, no exception, no fruit. Because there's sugar and sugar fruit. fruit yeah. but, but in phase two and then phase three, which I'm in phase three now, I can have fruit, uh, you know, not, not massive quantities, but regularly I can have fruit. 
And, um, and every now and then I go crazy. I think for the first time in probably years, I had a frozen yogurt, uh, which is great. And, you know, but in phase three, it's okay to do that occasionally, but you don't want to do it often. Um, I, I just saw a thing on an episode on Dr. Oz mm -hmm. yesterday, I just happened to be flipping through the channels and saw this. And there is now research, and this was on Dr. Oz just recently. There's now research that shows that artificial sweeteners are like cocaine. I mean, you know, they just, you're hooked to it. And there's really, there's science behind it. Because with real sugar, your brain knows when you've had a lot and it, and it says, okay, you've had enough sugar. I, although I know some people. <laughs> it might not happen with some people. <laughs> but but they, they, they did research that showed that people said, yeah, I've had enough. But with artificial sweeteners, it, it bypasses that part of the brain. So people never know that they've had enough. And they eat and eat and eat. And the artificial sugar is a processed food. Yeah. And, and I just gave up processed foods. So it really wasn't a big deal for me. Every once in a while, I now have um, very dark chocolate, 75%, 80% dark chocolate, mm -hmm. a couple of squares, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's good. I don't have the, 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 the drive, the desire for sugar that I did before. And you, you get out of that pretty quickly, a few days. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've been off sugar for about three and a half years now. And so I agree with you. You do, you do get used to it and it's no big deal. And then what about exercise? Did you change your exercise routine? Yeah, I increased it. I mean, I don't do anything crazy. Um, I, I, I work out about a half hour a day, uh, five days a week. Walk, push-ups, crunches, you know, uh, curls with a weight. Nothing nothing dramatic, but 30 minutes a day, every day, 30 you know, virtually every day. So did you get a trainer or did you just do this yourself? No, I just did it myself. I mean, I did sports in high school. I know how to, I know how to exercise. Well, you were pretty fit before, weren't you? No, I was overweight. I know you're overweight, but you weren't that fit either. Even like some people who are overweight still sort of have a workout routine. They still, you know, have some strength in that, but not not so I much. I walked twice a week was all I was doing then. Okay. Uh, walked for 20 minutes. I walked a mile uh, twice a week. Now I walk five miles a week um, and at least and and then do the other exercises. So, no, I, I you know, pretty much doubled the amount of exercise. Well, more than that, you know, I probably tripled the amount of exercise I was doing. Right. But right. still, not, it's nothing crazy. Half hour a day. No big deal. Yeah. And so what do the doctors say about you now? Well, I moved from L.A. to Austin. And my uh, cancer markers, my PSA started going up. So I had a new doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard training new doctors. <laughs> So he, I swear, Bruce, he got in my face and my wife was there a year and a half ago and he got in my face and he said, you need radiation now. Wow. Because my, my cancer markers, my PSA went up to 13. Okay. Um, and so I, I stood up and so you gotta, you gotta be the captain of your own ship on stuff like this. Yes. I stood up and I looked at him and I said, I'm not going to get radiation right now. If I need to, I will, but I don't believe I need to yet. And as soon as I do, I will. And he sat down like a like a puppy, you know. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, okay, I, I don't buy this stuff. So I just kind of doubled down on everything I did. Um, I did do a pharmaceutical, which you can't get in the United States, called Hanvan. Uh, and my PSA dropped from 13 to 0 0.3. Um, 
it's now 0.8, which is just crazy low. So the same doctor who said you need radiation right now, I just saw last month. And he said, well, I can't argue with results. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I'll see you in a year. Wow. So, yeah, you know, you just, and that's one of the things we say in the book is that you have to be the captain of your own ship. Medical doctors will scare the hell out of you with the C word. And you have got to be able to say, okay, uh, let me take that information and check with others and not, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a quick, funny story. I was pretty sure this doctor was about to fire me because I hadn't shown him the numbers yet, but he was really annoyed with me that I wasn't getting radiation. And so I said to him, do you know, do you know why I keep coming to you? And he said, no, I have no idea because you're not following my advice. I said, you're my antidote to group think. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, you're my antidote to group think. I said, I've had a lot of success with a holistic approach. Uh, and I didn't buy it at first, but I've learned uh, I had a lot of success with holistic uh, approach. But everyone around me is a holistic doctor or a holistic professional. You're the only one who's not. And groupthink is a concept that came out of the Bay of Pigs and uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis with Kennedy, where he just listened to the experts for the Bay of Pigs, and we know how that went. Right. And then he made everyone share their opinion, whether they felt they were an expert in it or not. And we know how that went, much better. And I said, you're my antidote to groupthink because I'm surrounding myself with people who think in a way that I believe. You're not that guy. So you're gonna tell me what you think. And I need to hear that other side so I can make decisions. And he was so funny, Bruce, he went, okay, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, he's still my doctor. That is hilarious. That is so funny. Wow. And so since then, you haven't had any other kinds of health issues then? No, no. That's great. No, and you know what? Here's one of the really big surprises. I haven't had the flu in six years. Wow. Um, I used to get the flu shot and still get the flu. I would not get the flu shot and still get the flu. I got the flu every year. I usually lost um, something close to a week of work or more from colds and uh, flu. In the last six years, I haven't lost a single day of work. Uh, I, I barely had, I, if I get a cold, it's, it's just not bad. And one time I, I thought I was coming down with the flu, it lasted a day and by the next day I was fine. So I never missed any work. So um, it's had side effects that I just didn't anticipate. Uh, your immune system is just, you know, in overdrive when you're healthy. Right, right. And all that processed food and sugar that a lot of people consume just attacks the immune system, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And, it, and a lot of it is uh, um, inflammatory. And when it's inflammatory, that's problematic um, for, for a number of health issues. I mean, I'll give you an example. My wife, she may have shared this on your show. But um, she kind of did the program with me out of, uh, you know, solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to do it. So she did it, too. You know, it would have been hard. It would have been harder if she was eating a filet mignon. And, and I <laughs> that <wasn't>. would have been. <laughs> yeah. So because I, I, you know, I love filet. So, um, by the way, I, I now have like one steak a year and it's grass fed, grass finished. It's never processed steak. Uh, so I still don't eat it much. Uh, but um, she went off of dairy, which was part of my protocol, no mm -hmm. dairy. And one day she, she had hearing aids in her 40s. She had hearing aids. Mm -hmm. And the doctor said, you, it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. One day we came back from a trip. She put her hearing aids in her purse. 
and forgot about them for like a week. And she's like, I haven't worn my hearing aids for a week. And I said, well, wow, what do you think that is? She said, all I can think of is the dairy because the dairy is an inflammatory. And now this doesn't work for everybody, no. but if certain types of ear conditions we've discovered, it, it, dairy can do that. And we've tested it. She's, she drank milk that day. And sure enough, the very next day, she was like, what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. And every time, I can tell when she put milk in her coffee. Because really? I'll say, oh yeah, I'll say, you put milk in your coffee today, didn't you? And she's like, yes, I did. I can't believe it. Impacts her immediately. That's incredible. I haven't heard that, that milk could have such an immediate effect like that. Not on everybody, yeah. but um, you know, depending on the kind of ear condition you have, uh, it can. And yeah. it, did, it has on her. She gave our hearing aids away to somebody else, wow. her hearing aids away to somebody else. She hasn't used them in Five, six years. I didn't need them anymore. Man, that is an incredible story. Ivan, I've worked in bullying prevention for several years, and I always ask my guests a question about this. If there was ever a bullying situation in your life, maybe as a child or as an adult in business or whatever, where mindfulness would have made a difference. Do you have a story that you could share about that? About bullying? Um, Look, I think every kid's been bullied to some extent or not, um, uh, to some extent or other. Um, I, I tended to stand up for myself reasonably well as a kid, but you know, everybody got bullied. I got bullied. Um, I got harassed as a kid. I mean, I, I don't know if you'd consider this bullying or not, but um, uh, I, it's, it's, it's my story of my why. You know, I think I, I try to teach people that everybody's got a why, why they do the things they do in life. True. Why, particularly why they, they go into a particular profession or want to go into a particular profession. And my, my why, and it's almost always you're a child. Something happens when you're a child that's just a trigger. And you may not even be in touch with it. And I wasn't. I had to go back. This is a, an exercise that I did in a, in a company. And, and I had to go back, and it took me back to 13 years old. <clears throat> and it's sort of a bullying, kind of a bullying situation. I was 13, and when I was 11 and 12, I had run for student council, and I got decimated. I mean, not just decimated, I was last, and I was sort of the laughing stock. Yeah. You know, I was a big joke with all of the junior high kids. Hey, Ivan, you're such an idiot. You, you <laughs> ran again. Nobody voted for you. You probably got one vote. Your own. So, I mean, they were just harassing the heck out of me, and I felt pretty bad. Sure. So now I'm 13 years old. I'm a freshman in high school. <clears throat> they usually elect the next year. Um, but because we were in junior high, they elected it from the freshman class. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it was freshman history. And so the Mr. Romero, I'll never forget. I, I, I've written about him. Um, as a matter of fact, I tell this story in a book I wrote called Avoiding the Networking Disconnect. And he, he, um, he asked the entire class, he said, uh, we have to pick the student council representative out of this class. Uh, I'll take nominations. Anybody want to nominate someone? Nobody. Nobody nominated anybody. Now I'm sitting there thinking I'd love to do this, but I don't. I don't need to get, you know, beat up against by my no. friends, no. by people that I, you know, my peers anyway. And so um, he said, "Well, if you don't pick, if you don't nominate anyone, um, then I get to pick." And they're like, "Yeah, pick. We don't care." Yeah, I remember. I remember this, this young girl, Cindy. She was a cheerleader. She stood up. And she said, "Oh, Mr. Romero, you know, I would run, but I'm so busy with cheerleading. I just, I don't have the time to do it." <laughs> Romero's like, "Okay, Cindy. Thank you very much for not volunteering. I appreciate that. You <laughs> have a seat." 
anybody. And I'm thinking, God, I'd love to do this, but there's no way I was going to do it. Yeah. And so I, so I didn't say anything. Mr. Romero looks around the room and he looks at me and he says, now you'd only known me two weeks. He said, Ivan, I bet you'd like to do this, wouldn't you? I was like, wow. Yeah, Mr. Romero, I, I, I kind of would like to do this. He said, okay, Ivan is the student council representative. Now, Bruce, I swear to you, I swear to you, the entire class in unison says, oh, no, not Ivan, <laughs> anybody but Ivan. <laughs> Cynthia stands up and she said, oh, uh, Mr. Romero, if you're going to pick Ivan, then I'll, 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 I'll run. <laughs> she did? Remember, oh, yeah, she, she said that. So I, I'm sitting here thinking, really, you guys, seriously? You know, I'm, you see me sitting here, right? I didn't say anything, but you know, it, it was a very raw moment. 13 year old boy. Yeah. I didn't have a crystal ball. I didn't know that I was going to run a, you know, start a global business and write 20 books and be a keynote speaker. I, I didn't know any of that. I was a 13 year old kid that felt like a total loser yeah. because my peers basically told me I was a total loser. And Mr. Romero, God bless him said, Nope, you had your chance. I made my choice. Uh, Ivan is it. Uh, please turn to, to chapter two, page 37. Wow. <laughs> and I remember, to, it's a long story to get to your question. I remember at that moment thinking, I am going to make this opportunity. I'm going to make the most out of this opportunity. Um, I, you know, Mr. Romero saw something in me that they, my peers didn't. Mm -hmm. and by God, I was going to make him proud. And I was going to do everything I could to just do the best job in this role possible. And, um, and I think I did. And, and what's really interesting is that that same class elected the sophomore class because of the end of the year. And that same class elected me to be the sophomore uh, student council representative. The same class that said, oh, no, not Ivan. Uh, and then I went on to do four years in student council and was ASB president my senior year. And it, and it happened because somebody saw something in me and, and my why to this is I realized that almost every business that I've done since then was to help people be their best, to help people succeed. BNI, I can't make you successful in BNI, but I can give you an environment where you can help yourself be successful. And, and that ended up really being my why. And it was sort of kind of because of, in a way, bullying. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. And, you know, my experience in BNI was so positive, just like you're, you're describing. You know, it made me, it took me into a place where I felt like I could really flourish. I could really yeah. tell people what I did and learn about other people. And it was just an extremely fantastic uh, experience being in BNI. So, you know, it, I, you. I applaud you for all you've done for people around the world with BNI. It's terrific. Thank you. Now, Ivan, I want to ask you five quick answer questions as we get closer oh. to the end of the interview. And the first one is this. So just 30 second answers are perfect. It's this. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice in your life? Oh, it would have to be my wife. Right. Without a doubt. She's the one that um, really got me back into uh, meditation. And yeah, it'd be my wife. And how Who is a, by the way, she's a Tai Chi instructor and meditation instructor at the Austin Spa Resort. She does it for fun. <laughs> she doesn't need to do it. She does it for fun. And so she teaches, um, you know, meditation and mindfulness at one of the top 
spa resorts in the world. And she's great. I mean, she was so fantastic to interview. So yeah, if you're listening to this, check out the episode with Beth Meisner. And she goes by Elizabeth now. So check with that. With an S, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T. Right. And so if you're Googling it, you'll, you'll find it. It'll come right up. So uh, how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Ivan? Well, I think it's, uh, it's centered me uh, more because that whole concept of be here now, uh, you know, I, I, one of my strengths is I'm a dog with a bone. Mm. I'm very persistent. One of my weaknesses is that I'm a dog with a bone. Um, right. You know, I'm very persistent. And, and that persistence can, um, you know, play out in a lack of mindfulness. That is, you become so singularly focused on something that you're not paying attention to things around you. And, um, and so the whole concept of be here now, which is part of, I've, I've written about this, um, as a matter of fact, it's in a book that's gonna be coming out later this year called Who's in Your Room? Uh, and I talk about uh, creating harmony versus balance. So um, I, th- I think that would be my answer. Okay, who's in your room? I'll have to put that in the show notes. Who's in your room? Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be I think it'll be my best-selling book ever. Ah. Uh, it's a, it's a great concept. When the book comes out, it should be out by November. Uh, look me up and we'll, we'll happy to do an interview on it. Oh, I would love to. That'd be great. Well, tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness, Ivan. Well, it, again, it, you know, my wife has helped me with that and in meditation and deep breathing, um, you know, oxygen is really important for, um, uh, helping with cancer. Um, and I did not know this. This was something that uh, really surprised me. That when lab technicians and scientists want to halt the growth of cancer cells in a petri dish, they oxygenate the dish, which slows down substantially the the growth of cancer cells in a dish. And I had no idea. Uh, about that. And so if that doesn't tell you that uh, oxygen is important, nothing does. One of the therapies I did holistically was um, a, a, an oxygen tank that, you know, I went into a, a, what's it called? You know, it's a big, it was, it was like a big submarine. Yes. And um, there's a, there's a term for it. I'll look it up. Uh, but I, I did that almost daily for quite some time. Oh, did you? Uh, hyperbaric. It was a hyperbaric chamber. Right, right. You did that daily for how long? Uh, three weeks. Oh, did you? And how yeah. did you feel after that three weeks? Well, it felt fantastic. And that's when my PSA dropped from 13 to 0.3. Ah, fascinating. So I did that. I did uh, IVs, uh, you know, they did things that you can't get in, in, in the United States. Um, Laetrile and other, other things that just aren't offered uh, in the U.S. Um, and so I did them out of the country. And where did you go to receive these? I went to Mexico. To Mexico. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was it. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? I, well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't recommend my wife's book that's coming out um, in, a, in about a month. It's the sequel to Healing Beginning. The, actually, it'll be in about three months. It's the sequel to the book Healing Beginning the begins in the kitchen, but I know she just changed the title. I'm not sure what the title is going to be, but I'd recommend her book because um, it, it, it's going to be fantastic in teaching people how to deal with health and mindfulness. And I'll put that in our show notes as well at mindfulnessmode.com. I'll put that book in there. And yeah, I'll get the title for you. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And uh, can you share an app which helps with mindfulness in your life? You know, I don't, I don't have an app that, um, 
you know, again, my, my wife certainly does. She listens to yeah. a lot of stuff via apps and, and I don't have an app. No problem. I, before we go, I want to ask you about what meditation looks like for you. What's your meditation yeah. practice like? So I am horrible at guided meditation. When people are talking, I, I go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I start, when people are talking, I just can't focus. So I like, for me, it's about music, uh, medit- meditative music. Uh, and I just try to f- focus in. I may, I may completely clear my mind uh, as much as one can. Or I may focus on something in particular, you know, my dog, dog with a bone, I find this actually helpful yeah. to really focus on something very specific. For example, when I had active cancer, uh, I had visualizations of the white blood cells attacking cancer cells and killing cancer cells. It was a very visual, visualized meditation. Now uh, it's uh, it, you know it's mostly just uh, uh, focusing, and I'll tell you one one thing, and I, almost nobody has had this experience, and I, my wife thinks it's crazy, and most meditation experts think it's crazy. But when I go really deep, I my body it's it's like it's hooked up to a real low voltage electrical thing. Oh. I just it's it's almost a vibration that I feel in my body, which is I know when that happens, I'm in. I am fully, fully in. And nobody I've ever talked to has had that kind of experience. So, And when you get fully in like that, is it, does it take you a certain length of time or does it take a certain kind of mood or what does it take? Um, it, well, it definitely takes a mood. I have to be really, really focused on the meditation. If I got a lot of things going on around me, I, 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 it doesn't necessarily work. Um, it's got to be either quiet or with music the meditation music. Um, and I sometimes can get to that point within a minute, but generally I would say it's five minutes to 10, five, yeah, five minutes or so to get to that point. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, it, but forget about guided meditation. Yeah. When people start playing guided meditation and I'm like, you know, it's not for you. No, it's not me. It's not me. Now, one last question before we finish. Do you still sleep so soundly there could be sirens outside your front no. door? No, no, I don't. And, and it's probably old age has probably helped a little <laughs> bit with that as you've gotten a little older. Um, but, you know, I did go through a period of time where I didn't sleep well at all. Uh-huh. But uh, but I sleep very, very well these days. Uh, but I certainly wake up if, uh, if there's something incredibly loud outside. Right. That's fascinating. Well, thank you so much, Ivan, for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure to learn about what mindfulness means in your life. So be here now. I really appreciate those three words. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. 
stay in the mode.